Handoff, Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35, 30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City, Damian Williams runs to immortality and will be remembered forever in the Chiefs kingdom. Tiamu stays on his feet and he whistles one complete for a first down to Alonzo Russell. Good snap, good place. The kick is up. It is long enough, and it is a Missouri winner. The thicker kicker connects. I had no doubt. He's nails in practice. He's been nails all day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the ShowMeFootball.com podcast, and today we're going to be doing a full seven-round mock draft for the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, when you're listening to this, uh, you're going to be hearing some draft music turn on right about now. We're going to get right into this and uh, we're going to go ahead and me and Connor, I'm joined by Connor as always. uh, We're going to go ahead and pick for the Chiefs and elaborate on all the picks and everything like that. We're going to have fun doing this. So without further ado, we're going to get started. And if you're watching this on YouTube, rather than just listening to the podcast, you'll be able to see our draft board. So we'll go ahead and start. And we're going to be using the Draft Network, everyone's favorite mock draft site. And uh, their predictive big board is pretty realistic for the most part. Sometimes there's some guys that get picked way earlier, way later. But at the same time, that's kind of uh, that's that's pretty similar to the real draft. Sometimes there's guys that just fall really far, and you're like, "Why?" Oh, did that's that unrealistic. Trey Lance went to the Niners. I don't like that. <laughs> Every once in a while, there's just one of those picks that just really bothers me that the Draft Network does. Yeah. Like, you know, Trey Lance isn't going to the Niners. They've come out and said that they think they can win with Jimmy, and the only person they take over Jimmy is Watson, which is yes. a smart decision. I'm already seeing a lot of my favorite prospects go before our picks. Zayvon Collins, Kadarius Toney, uh, Micah Parsons, Elijah Vera Tucker. That So... Um, I don't know if you see this, what I'm seeing right here already, but okay, hold on before I bring up this idea, I just want to say, so like Connor, I know you don't really see this because you're not on Facebook, but I use Facebook to like, you know, post my chiefs articles and stuff like that to all the Facebook groups and get everyone's opinion. And every single time I post an article that talks about doing anything other than adding to the offensive line, like if I post an article about why the Chiefs should sign JJ Watt. All I see is a bunch of boomers commenting, no, we need offensive line, protect Patrick, first priority. It's like, okay, okay, calm down. I don't need you screaming that we need O-line at every single post. I understand. But you can address both at the same time. So just let's calm down. The Chiefs will have plenty of draft picks. This is a very deep offensive line draft, especially at the tackle spot. They got a lot of long and athletic linemen. Um, You know, there's... They're, the Chiefs will have plenty of picks, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but they'll also have some compensatory picks uh, come in before the draft. Uh, they will get, uh, I think, at least two, one from Kendall Fuller and another from Emmanuel Ogba uh, for sure. So keep that in mind. And just remember, this team got Legereus Sneed in the fourth round last year, so those compensatory picks can go a long way. But, uh, Connor, I don't even know if we need to look at anyone else. I see Nick Bolton on the board, and I just – I don't know if I can pass up on that. Nick Bolton is a really hard player to pass up upon in this position, but you can probably tell who my eye is on outside of Nick Bolton at this point. Um, 
I mean, it could be my extreme bias that I'm admitted to. I am very biased towards Mizzou and Alabama players because they're the college uh, football teams that I watch by far the most. So, uh, yeah, this pick, if we won the Super Bowl, I'd say this pick is Nick Bolton. But honestly, I have trouble justifying the Nick Bolton pick here, uh, given the fact that we're bringing Anthony Hitchens, uh, Damian Wilson, and Willie Gay back. Uh, while that pick can be easily justified if, say, Hitchens is released or something, uh, it's just kind of interesting to me. Uh, you know, we'll do it, but it's interesting that you say that because I would love the Bolton pick for uh, even more for this reason. Uh, I think Nick Bolton is a player that can step in and be an instant upgrade from Anthony Hitchens, and that would allow the Chiefs to cut Anthony Hitchens. Now, I'd, I'm not saying I want to cut Hitchens, but this is a, you know this is something that they could potentially do, and that would save the Chiefs six million dollars and get them a potential upgrade at linebacker. That's why I would really like it, but I understand the fans that just don't want anything but offensive line in the first round. I can understand that. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, I was just thinking about this before we started recording. I really wish that the NFL draft was before free agency, and that would put us in a perfect position here because we could take Nick Bolton and then cut Anthony Hitchens and use that money in free agency to get, I don't know, Trent Williams who wants to go chase a ring or something. Yeah. Uh, but given the fact that free agency is before the draft, this is kind of a weird predicament. Uh, but... I feel like the pick is either Bolton or Leatherwood here. Yeah. You like Leatherwood? I, I like Creed Humphrey, to be honest. That, But I just – I he's someone I struggle to see the Chiefs taking at 31 for many reasons. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Passing up on Bolton is hard, but this team does really need – Well, here's why I say Leatherwood specifically. Leatherwood has versatility. Obviously, he was a tackle at Bama. And there's been a lot of talks about Yang potentially being kicked into guard, but I think uh, that's just like delusional Eric Fisher truthers. But the bottom line is, if you take Leatherwood, the left side is Yang and Leatherwood. I don't know which one plays tackle or which one plays guard, but they're both going to be on the left side, right? Uh, if you take uh, it. Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey at thirty at thirty one. Uh, not only what I feel that would be a reach, uh, slightly, but it would be completely worth it. Creed Humphrey is only an interior player. If you get Alex Leatherwood, you can move him all over the offensive line, uh, wherever you need it. And with just how volatile this offensive line is going to be in this offseason, you know, I'll take the flexibility honestly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and also, I want to clarify something. I've seen a lot of people say, uh, like, kind of make their picks based off the uh, the fact that they anticipate Eric Fisher coming back. I doubt Eric Fisher comes back in 2021. I don't see it. And I'm not saying they'll cut him. Like, uh, I'm just saying that, like, I don't think he's going to be healthy enough to play in 2021. I mean, I just don't like the day that Eric Fisher is off this team. We're making an emergency celebratory podcast. OK, well, there you go. So uh, I guess Alex Leatherwood will go with him. It's the same pick. I hate passing up on Nick Bolton, but, uh, you know, the Chiefs here. 
at the end of the day, the Chiefs can survive with Anthony Hitchens. They can't survive without offensive line, and we saw that in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I I, I, I can agree with the Leatherwood pick. And like you said, uh, it's significant that he can play anywhere all over the line because that gives the Chiefs a little bit more flexibility with their draft board. Um, if you draft someone that's interior specific or tackle specific, then it kind of limits what you can do later on in the draft. So um, you agree with the Leatherwood pick? Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll go ahead and do that. That's at pick 31. Uh, by the way, I don't have the premium, so we can't do trades, which kind of sucks, but I wouldn't really plan on doing much trades anyway. But I think it's worth noting that given Brett Veach's history in the draft, I would expect to see a couple trades, maybe turn a couple of their fourth or fifth rounders into a higher fourth round or you know something like that. Nick Bolton went to the Falcons. I kind of like that. That's a good pick for them. Yeah, especially since... Uh, I think uh, Deion Jones will be leaving them this offseason. And they took a quarterback in the first round, and they desperately need defense, so that's a good fit for Bolton. He'll be the face of that defense in this hypothetical world, of course. Yeah, for sure. Um, Honestly, second round, this is where I – and I, unfortunately, there's been a little bit of run of wide receivers here. Elijah Moore, Amon Ross, St. Brown, already off the board. But this is the sweet spot for uh, wide receivers. Um just because you don't want to wait too long to take one because I think this team really needs one. Me and you have both talked about it. Uh, this team badly needs a, a better number two wide receiver. Um, but I don't know if that'll come from free agency or the draft. It could come from both. I don't know. Uh, someone I really like in particular is Marvin Jones. I would love the, for the Chiefs to go after him this offseason. But if they can't, you know, someone like Shy Smith, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who unfortunately was already taken, you know, I, I like those guys. Um, I also, Kadarius Tony is my draft crush. I think if he's yet 31 in the first round, the Chiefs take him. Um, but he's the only one, he's the only shorter receiver I'll make an exception for. Guys like Elijah Moore and Rondale Moore, uh, those are some other guys Chiefs fans like. You know, those guys are around 5'9", kind of Tyreek Hill size. I want, for a change for once, I want a big physical wide receiver that also has a little bit of speed. And that's Marvin Jones. That's, you know, that, that can be Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, someone that can step in and replace Sammy Watkins. I'd, I mean, if Sammy Watkins is willing to come back at a really cheap deal, I'm fine with that. But just after this off or this postseason, that was kind of my last draw with him. So I don't know. I know that's a lot. I just threw out a lot there, Connor. But how do you feel about the uh, pick sixty-three? What do you, What are you thinking we should do here? Uh, well, I think this pick one hundred percent just uh, depends on how the board falls and the way the board fell this time. Honestly, looking at the board, I know I just said the board like seven times, but whatever. <laughs> uh, personally, I'm kind of leaning towards. Doubling up on Alabama linemen, not going to lie. Uh, Deontay Brown is uh, the name that yep. kind of pops up here for me. I was about to say that. Uh, you know, you can get uh, good receivers late in the draft. And, you know, what wide receiver wouldn't want Patrick Mahomes throwing to them? So, like you were talking about earlier with, like, Marvin Jones and free agency. Uh, A.J. Green is another name that comes up. Just somebody who might want to play in a Super Bowl. So, I feel... I feel like there's going to be a long list of players that want to catch passes from Patrick Mahomes in free agency, but uh, I don't think there's a huge list of good uh, linemen in free agencies. So if you have the opportunity to upgrade the offensive line, 
you take it. And Deontay Brown is just a monster of a human being. And I mean, my Bama bias is really showing out right here, but uh, I feel like they're the two best linemen uh, on the board when we uh, are on the clock. So yeah, I might end up doubling down on Alabama linemen. Yeah, also, uh, having two offensive linemen that also played together and bringing them onto your team, I think, does a lot for both of them transitioning into the NFL. Just having someone like that come into the same team as you, um, you know, that's that's a dream scenario for guys like that. Um, so that's I think that's a good reason to pick him as well. And then also, um, I kind of want the Chiefs to take, you know, like one interior, one tackle in the draft, and then maybe get some free agents, bring, you know, LDT is coming back. Uh, I think if you're taking three offensive linemen, I feel like I would like them to take maybe a third offensive lineman with their one of their compensatory picks. But outside of that, um, you know, I would like the other picks to go to something else. Uh, so yeah, offensive line is perfect here uh, still, and we can focus on other positions of need uh, later on in the draft. So yeah, I get we'll go Deontay Brown. I really like that pick. I really like Deontay Brown as well. Uh, physical offensive lineman. Uh, and he's good at the point of attack, so we'll go ahead and take him. And also, disclaimer, uh, sorry if you hear my dog barking in the background. Uh, he's a puppy. We got him like several months ago, and he literally barks at anything that passes by the window. So, there you go. Here, man. <laughs> oh, that's Melifonu, uh Obi Melifonu's little brother. Yeah, uh, I like him a lot. I think with the third, third round pick... Uh, I'd really like maybe an edge or maybe a wide receiver. And honestly, depends on what the Chiefs do in free agency. Without hindsight of free agency, it's really hard to evaluate. Uh, we could, I mean, they could also go linebacker there too. But uh, like, let's just say the Chiefs go through free agency and they pick up Marvin Jones and J.J. Watt on a cheap deal. Like that, that eliminates their need for wide receiver or edge in this draft. Not completely, but it. it, it it kind of gets it gets rid of that urgency like you don't aggressively need to pursue either if you were to sign jj watt and marvin jones so that's just an idea from me uh what are you thinking with the third round pick uh none of these names are really jumping off the board at me uh i mean at this point in the draft i suppose you have to go defense you know, we already have one of the best offenses, and we just addressed offensive line twice. Uh, so, I mean, it has to be defense. And at pick 94, this is starting to get to the point in uh, the draft where you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall. Ooh, Joshua Bledsoe, that might be a name to come back. But, yeah, at this point, I think you just kind of uh, – throw defensive players at the wall, honestly, you know, uh, maybe get a few safeties, pass rushers, hope one of them works out. Uh, you can never have too many pass rushers or secondary players. So. Yeah, honestly, safety is a pretty underrated need in this draft. I think the fall off of Juan Thornhill um, is something people don't talk about enough. Now, I get it. He was coming off a torn ACL and he may bounce back even better next year. But, uh, you know, with that with him only being a situational player right now that kind of leaves a little bit of a need at safety uh 
Also, when you add in the fact Dan Sorensen, as much as I love the dude, could be a cap casualty this offseason, given he's making $4 million and he struggles in coverage. You know, if they were to add maybe another cover safety or someone like that, uh, they could take away the middle of the field even more, which, you know, is something that, uh, you know, that I, I would love for them to do that and go ahead and maybe get another safety or another cornerback too, because Charvarius War, me and you were not big fans of him. I think they'll probably tender him and keep him at his price. Um, but I would still like them to go out and get someone that's younger and has more upside that can maybe take away the best, the other teams, maybe second or third best receiver. Um, so, oh yeah. And Bashad Breeland's a free agent too. So you got to think about that. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, do you, does your mentality change with this pick at all? No, uh, I guess kind of like. The way I at least approach my mock drafts, maybe this isn't realistic at all, but I kind of go out with the assumption that uh, we more or less keep most of the uh, most of our good players uh, who are leaving in free agency, and the good. I think our only uh, free agents that really like I desperately want back are uh, Breland, Sorensen, and then I'll want like. Uh, under the radar lineman like Osemele or Rankin, I think, is a free agent back. Uh, I might be wrong on a couple of those, but those are just the guys who are free agents off the top of my head. Uh, like Ward can kick rocks. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple other guys that I don't care about. And uh, with how the cap is set up this year, uh, due to the fact that it's not really getting bigger, the sentiment around the NFL seems to be that a lot of players are just going to sign one-year deals to try and go and win championships. So I feel like we'll end up with, I don't know, Jason Kelsey, Patrick Peterson, and Justin Houston as yeah. our free agency class. So if I'm, I'm just kind of operating under the mindset that those are our three new additions that we bring in and yeah. uh, maybe like a mid-tier wide receiver. Right, so. right. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And also, fans have to keep in mind, uh, yes, we need to make upgrades and changes to the offensive line. They do need a, a, a youth and talent injection. However, you don't want to go into next season with the entire starting line essentially being rookies and first and second year guys. Like You have to have some veteran leadership along the offensive line at, at least one of the spots, and that could be Jason Kelsey. That could be... You know Mitchell Schwartz if he's healthy enough to come back. Somebody there, there has to be an anchor on the offensive line. Um, but anyways, uh, someone that I'm really liking right here is Paris Ford, the safety from Pittsburgh. Uh, his uh, analysis here that's given with the site talks about his uh, his physicality, aggressiveness, uh, athleticism, um, his ability to uh, track the ball, fluid and coverage. Uh, that's someone that the Chiefs could definitely add. Uh, put out some three safety sets potentially, and you know, just another, just another playmaker in the defensive backfield. I, I kind of like this as a high upside pick. What do you think? Oh yeah, uh, the only reason that I would say like maybe not, or like the only issue I would have with this pick would be like I would really like to pick up Joshua Bledsoe late, but uh, as you said. Uh, Chiefs use safeties a lot. You know, we've talked on the podcast before on how uh, Sorensen and Matthew both blitz a lot. Sorensen gets a lot of playing time as the third safety uh, and Sneed gets playing time as a safety. The safety we 
it seems like we use safeties more than we use corners. And Tyron, um, I believe most of his snaps come in the slot. So really, this team only needs two outside corners, and we just play a lot of safeties. And uh, really, you can never have too many secondary players. And if Paris Ford sucks, no harm, no foul. We already have good safeties, but if he's a stud, we have another great defensive back for Spags to play with. So this seems like a really uh, high upside pick for me. Yeah, for sure. And Veach seems to have gone with high upside guys a lot in the third round, and it just hasn't worked out. Dorian O'Daniel, Colin Saunders come to mind immediately. Um, I haven't given up completely on Colin Saunders, by the way, but you just have to take into account the fact, I mean, he was inactive basically all year after the emergence of Deshaun Morton, which isn't, I'm, no matter how you put it, when your top 100 second year pick is inactive for basically the entire season, not a great sign, but um, I would still love a high upside pick here anyways. Uh, so Paris Ford, I think I, I really like him as a prospect, uh, someone who has some range. And uh, I think safety is an underrated need for this team. So I'll go ahead and, oh, and also, I mean, you mentioned like, you know, they could sign Patrick Peterson to a team friendly deal this all season. Boom, there's your, you know, fill in at cornerback, whatever. It's just like, you know, that, that would give this team a really good pass defense. So I'll go ahead and pick him. Um, and there's one guy that I'm already thinking about for the fourth round pick, and it's an edge player, edge defender. We all know we need that. Um, this team desperately needs something on the edge because uh, uh hold up there's a run of edge players here hopefully my guy doesn't go but uh his name is dalen hayes and he's been mocked to the chiefs a couple times he's an uh edge rusher from notre dame very stout um not super long but very very strong um and it looks like he's going to be available here but uh he's interviewed with plenty of teams in the pre-draft process including the patriots apparently that he's talked to them uh, but I would love for the Chiefs to maybe take a look at this guy because he could play in the run and be a good developmental edge prospect behind whatever veteran you bring in because it has been reported by Nate Taylor who covers the team for the athletic that the Chiefs do want to upgrade the other edge spot this offseason with an instant impact free agent because, you know, I've seen a lot of people like turn down the idea of like J.J. Watt or Justin Houston just because of their age and you know they could be expensive I don't really think they'll be that expensive so let's just say they're on a team-friendly deal well then it makes a ton of sense because um, for for reference Frank Clark 2020 he had like I don't know 25 solo tackles and six sacks somewhere around there but JJ Watt on the other hand had like 30 solo tackles and five sacks now that's pretty similar but Keep in mind, J.J. Watt would be making like $5 million if he came here. And on top of that, J.J. Watt was double teamed almost twice as much as Frank Clark in 2020 and still had similar production. So, you know, um, if you're the problem with the Chiefs pass rush is, you know, they paid their top two pass rush guys, jo or Jones and Clark, a bunch of money and their pass rush really wasn't that great. And it was because of their lack of edge presence. You really need that lack of edge presence because when it's not Frank Clark, well, it's definitely not the guy on the other side. And that means offenses can focus all their attention on Chris Jones. And uh, that made it hard for our pass rush. But if you have someone who, you know, other teams you have to take seriously, like JJ Watt, well, you can't double team all of them, which opens up the pass rush significantly. Yeah. Um, like I said, that's kind of why I'm like operating under the assumption that Justin Houston comes home. 
mostly because I want it to happen, but I also think it's fairly realistic. So for me, especially in the fourth round, uh, I feel like uh, the type of edge player that uh, would be best for the team to draft would be uh, almost a Tano Passigno replacement, which, I mean, it's not like Tano Passigno was ever a major contributor on the team. I've always liked him as a rotational pass rusher. Uh, so almost like down here, get a player who has a similar uh, game plan to how D Ford was developed. You know, we had Tom Bahali and Justin Houston out there as two great outside linebackers, but we drafted D Ford in the first round to use him as a uh, rotational pass rusher and eventually take over for Tom Bahali. I feel like that's kind of uh, the goal with an edge player at this point, you know, just a pass rusher who maybe uh, will only be a rotational player uh, at the start, but maybe like when we can finally swallow uh, the remainder of Clark's contract and we dump him, which seems like an inevitability at this point, uh, barring like a defensive uh, player of the year caliber season. Uh, so just develop, I guess, develop Clark's replacement here. Uh, just like a rotational pass rusher. Yeah, and uh, the draft network's analysis of Dalen Hayes, they, they say he projects as a hybrid pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, the Irish frequently used him in 2020 in a, uh, to stack in a two-point stance and attack the line of scrimmage from tight alignments, uh, and they say his ideal role could be a Sam linebacker or, uh, you know, like they said, a hybrid pass rusher in a 4-3 scheme, which, hey, if that's true, well, then maybe that gives you some Damian Wilson uh, insurance if he ends up leading this offseason. I hope the Chiefs bring back Damian Wilson, but I know he played a little bit of Sam linebacker, and uh, if it's true Dalen Hayes is athletic enough to play there, well then, hey, I'm I'm all for that. I really like this guy, uh, and like you said, developmental guy that you know can come in, rush the pass a little bit, maybe be a Tano replacement. Tano didn't exactly work out, uh, but Dalen Hayes could be someone who comes in has a little bit more upside, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and pick him. I know he's a really popular pick in mock drafts a lot. I don't know if he'll still be available here. He could be one of those late risers, but I'll go ahead and take him here. And then with our next pick, uh, 144, which is only uh, several picks away, I think here we kind of have to look at linebacker. Uh, we can't ignore the need at linebacker. The Chiefs' run defense still was not that great in 2020, and a lot of it had to do with their uh, lack of athleticism at linebacker and just lack of depth, uh, anything to get Neiman off the field. Uh, and you also have to keep in mind Willie Gay is coming back from a torn meniscus. So that's, you know, something else you got to think about. Uh, Justin Hilliard from Ohio State um, is another uh, kind of prospect I like around here. You know, they say he fits in a 4-3 as well. Um, core special teamer, Sam Linebacker. Uh, that's pretty, pretty ideal for around this point in the draft. KJ Britt from Auburn is another one that a lot of people like. Um, what are you thinking? Uh, well, KJ Britt proved that he could survive the grind of an SEC schedule. None of the other linebackers you mentioned did. Well, I will add in that the Draft Network only pro or projects KJ Britt to be a special teams player. Um, and that's basically... He'd basically be replacing Dorian O'Daniel. So it just depends on what you like. Um, I really like the Justin. Yeah, just 
Hilliard. just high ups. I play at this point. Yeah, I'll go with the Justin Hilliard pick. I, I, I think he's solid right here. No need for discussion there. Um, now at this Ooh, point, Chuba Hubbard to the Patriots. I like that. At this point, I'm just gonna switch it to all and not look back because uh, at this point we're just gonna be taking in all the best players available. Uh, anyone we can get. Ooh, they still they still have Shy Smith around here who could be a good Sammy Watkins replacement. If he's available, I think we should go after him, especially considering we haven't taken a wide receiver yet. Yeah. I'd also like the idea of uh, maybe another running back to bring in. Uh, maybe like a goal line type of guy. Uh, Trey Sermon, I really like him. I don't know if he's still available. I'll check real quick. Um, although I think maybe he came on too strong at the end of the year for him to be an attainable target for the Chiefs, uh, just given the other Larry games. Roundtree. Yeah, we could keep him in mind. Keep him in mind. Um, also, backup tight end. You have to think about that. Um, Anything to get Kaiser off the field? Yeah. Um, where's the one guy? Like Noah Gray from Duke. I like him as a good backup tight end. That could be a little bit of a receiving threat. I've picked him a lot in these. Um, honestly, though, I think we should go out there. Shy Smith, he's there on the board. Uh, he's part of the best available. Um, could be a good Sammy Watkins replacement for sure. Physical receiver. Disciplined route runner. Uh, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and take Shy Smith. He could be a developmental wide receiver for us while... You know, if, like like we say, if we expect we expect the Chiefs to get a wide receiver in free agency, if that's true, well then this is someone who can develop behind them, and uh, yeah, pretty simple. All right, right, right back up on the board. Uh, go back to all players. All right, all players. It's a little laggy today, but that's okay. Tyree Gillespie, I know we like him. Yeah, we've already taken uh, safety, safety though. Yeah, it's all right though. Um, honestly, I don't know. We could we could really go any position here. Heck, we could go after another lineman potentially. I'll look and see what they got on the offensive line. Maybe another tackle. I don't think there's going to be many available at this point. Another interior. Uh, maybe this is the backup tight end pick. Yeah, definitely. We could look at that. Um, like I said about Noah Gray from Duke, it says, okay, here's, here, I'll just read you what his uh, profile says. Uh, was a high school quarterback that turned into a fairly productive ACC tight end. Hmm, that sounds a lot like Travis Kelsey. Um, what stands out when Gray is how uh, detailed he is as a route runner. Again, sounds like Travis Kelsey. And how natural his hands are catching the football. Travis Kelsey! Duke primarily played him in the slot and out of the backfield where he il illustrated versatility in terms of where he can line up at the next level. Aaron Hernandez. Uh, <laughs> That's what Gray, that makes me think of. Gray needs to add a notable amount of functional strength and bulk if he's going to survive playing in line. Otherwise, the teams that he fits uh, are limited to only those that... Uh, deploy an f tight end uh for a move tight end uh gray is missing some of the most impactful skills when it comes to vertical receiving the ability to challenge the seam and dynamic skills to produce offense after the catch which you know that's okay i mean uh you know i like a lot of what the first half of his uh analysis says because look you're not gonna get 
Travis Kelsey at this point in the draft. You're not, but this is someone who can come in, maybe learn after Kelsey, become a really polished receiving tight end, and just be kind of your uh, backup receiving tight end in a way. What do you think? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I have heard of this guy before, uh, but I mean, based on this draft report, uh, I mean, like you said, sounds kind of like Kelsey, but uh, except for Kelsey can be a good vertical threat too if he needs to be. Yeah. So, I mean, he has limitations, but hey, I mean, that's what you can expect out of a backup. So I'll go ahead and take him. Uh, so we're kind of getting towards the end here. We're getting into the 200s. Uh, with one of the later picks, I really like a running back, and people will be like, well, why? Well, you know, Clyde's bad. <laughs> me and you aren't the biggest fans of Clyde. That's um, an understatement. But, uh, you know, Daryl Williams, uh, I think the Chiefs still have a decision to make on him. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will probably leave in free agency. Damian Williams could be coming back, which is great. But none of those guys are, like, big physical runners. Now, Daryl kind of is. But, again, like, you just you don't know. We don't know with him right now. You know, that could be an opportunity for us to bring in like a just like a goal line kind of bruising back that, you know, can take a bulk of the carries if asked to. So um, Larry Roundtree might be kind of a reach here, but with us being Mizzou. Is this homeless, our last pick? I like him. Uh, pick 217. I think we might have one more. Let me check. Um, yeah, I think we have one more after this, I, I think. But um, yeah. Because if this is our last pick, or Larry Roundtree, I feel like should be our last pick, uh, or bring him in as a UDFA. I would really like to see Larry Roundtree in this offense, but I wouldn't want to spend a significant draft pick on him. But I would be very happy to bring him in. Uh, his last season in Mizzou, he really proved that he can be that bell cow back. Oh yeah, uh, Elijah Griffin is on the board here, cornerback from USC. Uh, they say nice things about him on here, and also Austin Watkins. I totally forgot about this guy. I picked him a few times in here. Um, maybe an under the radar prospect from the Conference USA. Uh, listen to their uh, description of him here. Austin Watkins transferred to UAB from the JUCO ranks and became a big play threat for the Blazers' offense across 21 games in 2019 and 2020. Watkins collected 90 receptions for 1,558 yards and nine touchdown catches. Watkins' blend of size, speed, and ball skills, physicality, and route running prowess makes him an appealing prospect. His ball skills are exceptional, and he's the type of receiver that is open even when he's covered. Uh, this guy sounds like, you know, and it says his ideal role, developmental 3-4. Um, you know, what does it hurt getting a guy that could potentially be a big play threat? He's related to Sammy, isn't he? Um, I don't know if they're related, actually. I never checked, but uh, he's kind of got that. I just feel like I remember you, like, sending me something like, oh, yeah, that's Sammy's cousin. I'm going to look him up real quick. Let's see. Austin Watkins. Because, I mean, we could just draft him and get and him that Sammy's ca- jersey. If that's true, I really don't. I mean, uh, oh, yep, here we go. The UAB wide receiver is the little cousin of current Kansas City Chiefs wideout and former yep. first-round pick, Sammy Watkins. Well, I don't know if I want those genetics. <laughs> those weak ligaments. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, besides that, this guy could be a potential, like, really good player. I don't I don't know about you. Maybe a good special team or two with his yeah, just speed Yeah, just replace Sammy with his little cousin. All right, That's we'll do it. Here. We're good. I, 
We're replacing Sammy. Got it. Sammy's little cousin. And then the uh, the casuals, they're going to turn on their TV and see a guy named Watkins catching the pass, and they're going to think Sammy's still on the team. Yeah, if we if this happens, give him number 14. For you sure. You can keep selling those Watkins jerseys. Yeah, and if DeMar- if Demarcus Robinson is walking, well, then that's another spot there, and a lot of people like Pringle with him uh, for him to step up and take over that role. But I don't. I like nope. Pringle as a special teamer, and that's the No harm in bringing in competition. And I mean, like, when I brought up uh, Houston, Peterson, and Kelsey as, like, my hypothetical free agency class that I keep in mind when I do these, I didn't mention a wide receiver. Yeah. So I guess we could just operate under the assumption that uh, we'll just rely on Mahomes to make his receivers look good. Yep. And give him a bunch of cheap rookies. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that was our last pick, which is completely fine. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, we traded back up to get Bo Peep Keys last year. Oh, Kobe Whiteside. Uh, but yeah, we traded back up to get Bo Peep Keys last time. So I'd be down to like trade back up to Mr. Irrelevant to get uh, Larry Roundtree on a four-year deal. Yeah, or I mean, he went undrafted in here. So like hypothetically, we could just sign him as a UDFA, which, hey, I'd be all on board for that. So... Let's go over our draft real quick. Our picks, Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama. Deontay Brown, interior from Alabama. Paris Ford, safety from Pittsburgh. Dalen Hayes, edge from Notre Dame. Justin Hilliard, linebacker, Ohio State. Shai Smith, South Carolina, wide receiver, Noah Gray. Duke tight end, Austin Watkins, UAB, wide receiver. Uh, This is a pretty solid class and hits a lot of the needs. And then, you know, like we've been talking about, our hypothetical free agent classes, you mix those in with our draft here, I think that would be a really solid offseason. Oh, yeah. But knowing Beach, we're going to take a long snapper in the first round and give Pernell, or no, not Pernell McPhee. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew Judon, a massive contract. <laughs> I hope not. I did literally Clark 2.0. Yeah, Matthew Judon is literally the Ravens version of Clark. And I just have a feeling that we're, that the uh, upgrade on the other side of Clark is going to be Matthew Judon. I would hate that. Anyways, um, anything else you want to go over in this podcast while we're here? Uh, no, uh, but one thing I did want to point out uh, is that if we don't knock this draft class out of the park, in theory, uh, Super Bowl 54 could have been the last championship that most of us ever see the Chiefs win. Because with Mahomes being paid his massive contract in the near future, I don't know if we're going to continue winning then. Uh, So, yeah, it's now or never, folks. Need to knock this one out. Yeah, I wrote an article about how, despite Veach doing a good job building a championship-contending roster, um, this is still a make-or-break offseason for him because, like, we're not trying to become the next green Bay here. Like we have to hit it out of the park and get back and win. If people are going to take this team seriously, because right now all that dynasty talk that's over the Chiefs got to prove themselves again. And this is a big off season because they've got a lot of, they got a lot of room for improvement. And Veach also has a lot of work with the contracts to do. Uh, Frank Clark, 
he has the highest cap hit of anyone on this roster uh, going into next year. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is the he has the third highest cap hit in the league among defensive players. Only Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack have a higher one than him next year. Frank Clark's at 25.8. Frank Clark's cap hit cannot be higher than Patrick Mahomes' next year. That's ridiculous. He has to restructure. Um, Anthony Hitchens, maybe they can restructure him. Kelsey can restructure. Hill can restructure. There's a lot of guys on this team that or should be willing to restructure if they're serious about competing. I would gladly trade pick 94 uh, and a hundred percent of Frank's contract just to get it off the books. Yeah. Uh, it's essentially selling that pick. Uh, I don't know if anyone would take it, but maybe like a team would say, Hey, we think Frank Clark's a good pass rusher and you'll give us pick 94 to take his entire contract. We'll do that. But I know a lot of people would complain if we did that. But if it got rid of 100% of his contract and we didn't owe him anything, I would be very happy with that. I think that's a pipe dream. But, hey, maybe Saxonville is still taking applications. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like we said, big offseason for Brett Veach and the staff. Uh, Veach has to hit in this track. You know, a lot of people have been – I think a lot more people are starting to take notice that Veach is really an underwhelming drafter when you really look at it, all of his picks and, uh, you know, retrospect. Like, I, a lot more people are starting to realize that, and it kind of makes me happy, not that I'm, like, happy Brett Veach is failing, but that people are starting to see what we're seeing. Like, Hardman isn't a great pick. Clive was not a great pick at, with that value. Um, Breland Speaks was a huge mistake. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel didn't work out. Colin Saunders didn't work out. His drafting in the top 100 hasn't been great. Yeah, he's hit on a few guys like Gay uh, for now uh, and Legereus Need, but you know he he's got to work on being more efficient in the draft with his picks. I wouldn't necessarily say that's like uh, people like coming to our side. Like we've been crying wolf on frank clark since the day we traded for him or at least i have uh but i think like even on this show we've given veach credit for his uh draft classes Mm. but since we've made those statements like the players have just kind of fallen off like i remember colin saunders was a pick that i really liked but now i don't think he's going to be on the team because you have uh jones naughty wharton and Pennell, those are four good defensive tackles. Uh, two of them are uh, good pass rushers. Two of them are good run stoppers. Uh, where does Colin Saunders fit in all that? You know, w- we'd be better off putting Colin Saunders at fullback than uh, defensive tackle. And I'm, it's just the truth. And uh, uh, McColl. McColl looked like a really promising player his rookie season. But this season, uh, you know, you're going to have your idiots on Twitter saying like, oh, well, this offseason had COVID. But, I mean, Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf all continued to be great players. Not just good, but great players. What has McColl done? And no, for the uh, handful of morons who think this out there, McColl Hardman would not be a number one wide receiver on every other team. I don't think there's any other team he'd be a number one receiver on. So, yeah, McColl is McColl had such a terrible year, and I'm beyond done with him. Here's the thing with McColl is he has not shown enough, just 
that it's as simple as that. He's a big play threat. I I mean, I I really like his upside still, but I just he hasn't he hasn't shown enough. And I wrote this article and I'm pulling it up on the screen right now. And if it loads fast enough, I'll read it to you. But uh, McColl, he here here's the thing with McColl. People will claim that he improved in 2020. I don't know how anyone can say that because let me read you the numbers here. Um, after an impressive rookie campaign in 2019, okay, no, here we go. In 2020, Hardman had 560 receiving yards and four touchdowns and 41 receptions and 61 targets. Now, at first glance, that's a decent stat line, but let's look back at McColl's rookie season. In 2019, Hardman recorded 538 yards and six touchdowns on just 26 catches and 41 targets. As you can see, Hardman's production plateaued despite more targets uh, and more receptions as Hardman's yards per reception dropped from 20.7 to 13.7. On top of that, Hardman registered a 14.3% drop rate, which was among the worst in the league at the position. Now, someone pointed out to me on Facebook when I posted this that, oh, well, Ty- Tyreek had a bunch of drops. So with that logic, does that mean Tyreek sucked? That That's just... That's showing that you have a complete misunderstanding of drop rate. Yes, Tyreek had a had a lot was one of the worst receivers at drops, or he had some of the most drops this or this past season, right? But when you look at the bulk of targets that he gets, he has a lower drop rate than Hardman. Meaning, if you threw ten passes to Hardman and Hill each. Hardman would statistically be more likely to drop the 10 or like a bigger portion of those passes than Tyreek, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So, uh, these people are just dumb, dude. They just want to defend the team at uh, any way they can. And they just find like some stat because they open uh, Pro Football Reference once and suddenly they're experts. And yeah, I'm. I'm so done with this fan base as a whole. They're just extremely obnoxious. Even after we lost the Super Bowl, uh, their heads are still so far up their asses. They are so high and mighty. You know, posting pictures of them in uh, their Chiefs gear to, like, silence the haters, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's just kind of uh, ignorant and stupid to say, oh, look at me. My team lost the Super Bowl. Uh, but- <laughs> Yeah, um, and then like the people uh, I referenced earlier that you and I both argued with saying that uh, McColl would be a number one receiver on any other team, and then when you call him out for being stupid, you're a misogynist, and how on Instagram would I constantly call for a Frank Clark trade, you get uh, all the people who don't watch football and just say, Hey, man, how can you be dogging on my dog Clark like that? He brings the dog mentality to the team, bro. And just bullcrap like that. <laughs> they don't bring any uh, substance to their argument. Just blind faith in the team that has proven that you can't have blind faith in them. Yep. I uh, couldn't have said it better. Uh, I think that's pretty much it if you're ready to wrap up. Uh, yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, we should be coming out with another episode soon. That'll be us doing like a full NFL mock draft for, you know, all the teams, uh, just how we think things will shake out. And that'll be a lot of fun. So look out for that. But uh, that's all for today. Make sure you check out www.showmefootball.com for more. Peace.